Hi, I'm Andrew Douglas. Some of you still know us, and uh, some of you won't recognize me, which is really weird because we were, Cartwright was our home for 20 years. When we graduated from the University of Guelph, stayed in Guelph, and, and Cartwright, Cartwright brought me through a lot of stuff, the people at Cartwright. Um, I met Holy Spirit there. Cartwright uh, was family, was everything, and we miss it desperately still. So thank you so much for asking asking us to preach. Um, I, I thought I'd bring you back to the campfire pit. When we left in 2012, we went to California for a couple of years, and then we came back and we started this full-time ministry role here at Circle Square Ranch in Arden, where we've been the directors. And every evening during summer camp, we, uh, we have a worship service for the campers. And I've preached here many, many, many times. And so is our staff and my kids, Cam, Emma, and Cassie. Um, Emma led worship here this past summer. It's, it's one of the most special places for me in the world. And I thought it was appropriate to bring you here because Courtright is where it all started for us. And then this is the last time perhaps I'll ever preach at the, the campfire pits. Certainly the last time as one of the directors. In fact, I've already left. I am no longer the director here. Um, I left a year ago when COVID hit and started a marketing company, and I've been doing that ever since. Uh, I still have a few hours left at the uh, weekly at the ranch, and I, I was here all summer in the evenings and weekends with Anne. Anne stayed on as the director. She was the sheriff this past summer, and it was a fantastic summer. Um, I, I think 500 kids have given their lives to Christ over the course of the seven years we've been here. It's been fantastic. And this is, this is a, a really special place for us. Now, it's been an interesting transition for me, moving from being in full-time ministry, where it, it, was my, it was my job to love Jesus, really. And, and when I would talk to people, and people would hear that I'm, a, I'm in ministry, there was almost an expectation that I would bring up God. It was... It was a pleasure to have people talk to me from their hearts, and it was a pleasure to have the permission to speak about Jesus. And, and over this past year, as I've gone back into the workforce, and now especially as my time here as director is completely ending on October 1st, um, it's, uh, I have a unique experience of, of going back to civilian life. I'm no longer a professional Christian. And that's brought up all these things in me of how do I live as a Christian in the world uh, in, in a, with, with basically no other Christians beside me in the workplace? How do I live that way? Anne is staying on with InterVarsity. She's going to take a leadership role on a national level. Um, and, and that will be really cool to support her and to see her thrive within, within InterVarsity and go to, go to the next level there. But for me... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in an interesting place. Alex asked that I preach on a parable. And in the first parable immediately that popped to mind when I got that email was the parable of the ten virgins in Matthew. So I'm going to read it now. It's Matthew 25. Starting at verse 1. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang, rang out, Here's the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are running out. No, they replied. There may, there may not be enough for both of us and you, both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So first, a little bit about Hebrew customs at the time it, as, as it pertained to being married. When you, the, the whole ceremony, everything started with the betrothal. And that was when the marriage covenant was established between the two families and the amount of money that was going to be exchanged as a dowry was set. That was the betrothal period. And then the groom would go home to his house and he would prepare a place for his bride, which is, let's just park there for a second. Jesus is so good. Um, that's what Jesus has done now. 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. He's gone back to heaven and he's gone back to prepare a place for us. We are his bride. And he's coming back to get us. Amen. That'll preach. That'll be in another time. Anyways, um, preparation. And there's a period of preparation where the groom goes home to his house and prepares a place for his bride. Um, and then a, a year or so later, I think, like a, a decent amount of time later, he would arrive at his bride's house and he would knock on the door. Apparently it often happened at night. And the, the groom would come with his groomsmen and other friends and family, and they would come and collect the bride, and everyone would go back to the groom's house for uh, the wedding party. So that's the situation we're facing here in the parable. The ten virgins are waiting for the bridegroom to come, and no one knows, according to custom, no one knew when the bridegroom was going to come. So they had to keep their lamps uh, they had to have enough oil to keep their lamps burning because when the when the bridegroom would show up, they would trim their lamps and and light would would um, you know the place would be filled with light and there would be a big party and they'd go back. So the, the the ten virgins are there waiting for the bridegroom to come. I love this story. It's so haunting and beautiful. Uh, it's nighttime and the. The virgins have been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and um, and then the bridegroom show up, the bridegroom shows up and there's this harsh thing that happens. Um, first of all, the, the the virgins who have been tending their oil, who have been managing their lives so that they have enough oil when the bridegroom comes. First of all, 
they don't help their friends. They say, no, we can't. We don't have enough oil. Figure it out yourself. And the second thing that happens is when the other virgins finally get enough oil, they go back to the wedding. The bridegroom says, I'm not letting you in. It's too late. You should have been ready. The, the, the parable is, it takes place at the end of Matthew when Jesus has been talking a whole lot about the end of times when he, as I said, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. If we confess that with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will save us. And um, at, at the end of time, Jesus will come back to earth and collect his bride. And, and, um, and that's the period we're waiting for. We're waiting for Jesus to come back. And Jesus has just spent uh, a chapter or so talking about how the day and the hour are unknown. No one knows when Jesus is going to come back. All we know is that we have to be ready. I used to read this story and think, um, man, that's harsh. Like, how come, how come Jesus wouldn't just save the whole world? And, and why, why this mystery? Why, why say it, it could be at any time? Be ready. Uh, never know when you're going to come back. But I think I was, I was praying and thinking about it this summer because I've been thinking about this a lot. And I was thinking, um, Jesus has given us 2,000 years to be ready. He has given his bride and, and all of us waiting for him to return. He's given us 2,000 years. He's given us lots of time to be ready. I, here at the ranch, we, we have had people over the seven years we've been here, we've had reunions, and, and sometimes people just show up, and they're old campers or, or even especially old staff. So people who have worked here for summer after summer, say three or four summers in a row, they've probably experienced Jesus at a deep level here. They've probably maybe seen a miracle, maybe been a part of leading a child to Christ. They've had evenings of worship here that were transcendent, where Jesus came down and you felt the Holy Spirit and beautiful things happened. They've experienced all of that here. Um, and maybe these staff were here 15, 20, 30 years ago. They come back and they say, they say to us, probably partly being kind, but um, they say, you know, this, this is some of the most amazing um, ground I've ever been on. I, I, this was the pinnacle of my spiritual life. I wish I could come back to camp. I wish I could experience that again. And, and uh, I've, I've just thought how sad that made me feel. Um, I think Jim Kloss, who, who went to Courtright many years ago and is a beautiful man, I think he said to me once, if your testimony is more than a year old, that's you, you got a problem. You should have a fresh, and I, I would even say maybe six months or even a month. If if someone says, tell me, tell me how Jesus has been working in your life, or tell me something Jesus has said to you, or tell me something good about Jesus. If you have to go back 20 years to when he saved you out of debt, or 15 years ago when you kicked alcohol or like if you have to reach back that far in your life to find a testimony about Jesus you've gone back too far and I think about that when people come back and they say the ranch is this highlight of my spiritual life I've been I've been thinking about that because now that I'm back into 
now that I'm no longer a professional Christian, now that I'm a civilian in the world carrying Jesus, I, I don't want the ranch to be the highlight of my life. I want to continue to burn for him. I want to be the virgin who has the full lamp, full of oil, and is ready for Jesus when he comes back. So, so how am I going to keep my oil? How am I going to keep my lamp burning bright? How am I going to go from glory to glory? How is this not the end for me, but just a new beginning? How, I, I don't want, I, I think the last child I know of who I led to Christ, I was speaking and um, I, I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was, it was the last week of camp. And I was lucky enough to get the salvation message that night. I preached the gospel. Romans Road, uh, we, for, for, though we were all sinners, Christ died for us. Um, we've all fallen short of the glory of God, but if we confess that with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he will enter us and save us now and forever. Beautiful, simple gospel. I appreciate it, and a kid came to Christ. That kid is not going to be the last person that I lead to Jesus. This is just the beginning for me. I want my life to burn brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter for him. So what am I going to do? Well, first, what, what can you do? If you're thinking, my, my light is dim, and I used to burn bright for him, and I worked hard in the church, but I, I just don't know if I love him anymore. What can you do? Okay, first thing, pray. The, one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible, the verse that changed my life, was 1 John 4.19. God loved us. Um, we love God because he first loved us. God's love comes first. If you want to fall back in love with Jesus, if you want to fill your oil tank, hold open your hands and say, Jesus, I love you, but I need your love. Please, God, fill me with your love. I'm going to do that every morning from now on. I'm going to say, God, you love me first. Please help me love you. Um, it's that's almost a, that's I, I could say amen, and uh, close the sermon right now. That's such a a powerful truth in the Bible. Um, next point. So first, I'm going to pray, and that's going to do everything. Um, next, I, I'm going to seek the supernatural. I'm going to continue to seek the supernatural. Camp is a, a fantastic place because you need the supernatural. I thought I had cameras lined up this morning. None of them, none of the batteries charged. I couldn't figure it out. So I'm doing this on my phone. That's why the audio might not be so good. Uh, camp is like that. It's just this visceral, in the trenches, sweaty, messy experience where God shows up in powerful ways despite ourselves. First uh, Corinthians 4:20. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. If, if you want to experience the kingdom of God, seek, seek the supernatural. Expect God to move powerfully. Yes, God is with us in our pain. Yes, he, he walks beside us and rubs our back and gives us hugs and, and makes us feel okay. And he moves powerfully. And he's, he does miraculous things. And he heals the sick, raises the dead. And we will do, Jesus said when he left, you will do more than I did. Like, I don't know what 
more than raising the dead could be. However, I want to do, I want to experience all that, all the power that Jesus saw move through him into people, changing the world around him. I want to experience that. And, and when, when you're in the midst of that, it, it says that that's the kingdom of God. It, it's, a, it's not of talk, but of power. Now, the supernatural is not God. There's lots, there's, there's instances uh, in, in the Bible where Jesus healed someone and then the crowd came back and said, okay, show us another miracle. We don't believe. It, it, the miracles should lead you to Jesus. Miracles are not God, but they lead you to God and they're, they're an expression of God. And don't you want to be a part of that? The, the next point I had was just to do something. We, I, 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 I was in this period in my life where I just felt allergic to religion. And I, I just got my back up when anyone said, you know, you should do this for the church. And there's, there's a certain amount of truth in that. I don't want my relationship to, with God to be all about what I do for him. Um, but at the same time, if, if you're just waking up every day doing the same thing and saying, man, I, I really wish I could experience some of God. I, I don't know how that's going to happen. Well, maybe it's time that you got off the couch. Bill Johnson, one of my favorite preachers, said that there's, there's things in the kingdom of God that will come to you when you're sitting on the couch. And he, he gave this illustration of his wife making him a sandwich. And his wife stands up and says, hey, would, are you hungry? I'm going to make myself a sandwich. Would you like one? And he says, yeah, I'm not that hungry. I'm not hungry enough to do anything about it myself. But if you're going to make one for me, sure, I'll take a sandwich. And God is good. That happens in our life. Sometimes you go to a Sunday morning service and... Um, often you, when you go to church, God moves and, and he speaks through the minister, whoever's speaking that day, and that's good. But there are things in the kingdom, Bill Johnson goes on to say, but there are things in the kingdom that you can't get unless you get up off the couch and get it yourself. Sometimes it, it, you're, you're so hungry for God, that, or you're just so hungry, you go into the kitchen, make you, you make the sandwich yourself. And it's like that with the kingdom. That you, you, you just got to get hungry and you just have to go after God and you have to open up your Bible in the morning in the quiet of the house when everyone else is asleep and say, Jesus, I love you. I, I need you. And pick up where you left off yesterday and read your Bible and expect him to move, expect him to speak and turn on worship music in the car when you're driving and, and go to that evening service happening in that church where you, you hear something crazy is going on. Um, pursue him. Tell your coworker, I'll pray for you. Just say, I'll pray for you. Next time your coworker shares something that's hard in their life and say, oh, that's really hard. I'll pray for you. And, um, and, and don't even pray for them right there. Just say, I'll pray for you. And then the next time say, can I pray for you right now? Expect God to move and just do something. Um, move towards him. Get up off the couch and go into the kitchen and make yourself a sandwich. Next thing I'm going to do is, um, and this has been super important in my life, and and is is maybe something that could be really good for you. I'm going to go on another pilgrimage. I've been on a few pilgrimages. I used to go to Kansas City when I was at Courtright, uh, the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. The 24-hour, 24/7 worship. It's this anointed, beautiful, intense place, and. Um, Ann and I have been there a 
maybe maybe a few times. Yeah, at least a couple of times. I've been there a bunch of times. And it, it ended up being this place of pilgrimage for me where I would go back and, and get filled up and experience this uh, deep move of God in my life. And pilgrimage is, is this place where we sacrifice something. We get on a plane, we go somewhere, we walk somewhere. But we, in the sacrifice is God, God doesn't need our sacrifice, but he, he loves it as an example of our, 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 our intense desire to be closer to him. And he moves in it. And um, fire, fire falls on sacrifice is this, this thing I've heard. And it's a beautiful way of describing what happens when we give something up to God. He gives immeasurably more back to us. So um, be filled in your in your home church at Courtright. It's a beautiful place and we love the people there. And go and see where else God is moving. Go go to the city, to a, a church where you hear amazing things are happening. Go fly to California, to go to Bethel, go to IHOP, go... There's like a million places where amazing things are happening, where worship is intensely beautiful. And, and go there. Go walk to Camino in Spain. Do something outrageous and see how God meets you. Go on a pilgrimage. Pursue him. Uh, the last point I'm going to make is one that my son Cam um, did a testimony at camp here. He, he joined us. He, he took time off work and he joined us and ran our job skills program where we invited kids who come from a little rougher backgrounds to come and work at camp. And Cam led them. And Cam is such a chill, strong guy. And he led it beautifully. And he he read um, from... Uh, I just have to find it. I, I don't have the reference, but I'll put it in the description, or I'll put it as a subtitle caption here. I'll do the YouTube thing. But here's, here's the, the scripture. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord... When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Cam works with a... Uh, part of his job is working with a severely autistic boy who is uh, operating at a like a toddler level. He's 12 years old and um, he's nonverbal. And um, some days are really good and some days are really bad. Some days he's camps kind of fighting him off all day. And um, he was driving to work one day and he shared that uh, he was he was not looking forward to it. And then God reminded him of that verse that. If, if you want to serve me, serve the least of these. And I, I want to make widows and orphans and, and the least of these a part of my life. I, I don't want to live a safe, comfortable life where I'm just pursuing the next jolt of adrenaline from God. I, I want to do work that is, is hard and is hidden because Jesus says that's how you serve him and like I know how to love him and I know how to feel his love 
and there's something there's something beautiful that happens when we serve him shoulder to shoulder side by side with other Christians the relationship that you that you get with people serving in hard situations is beyond anything I've ever ex- experienced or it it's it it cements you together and and you you see a side of God that you don't see otherwise I, I want to burn bright and I think you do too because there is nothing more beautiful and and um, fulfilling than having this fire burn bright in you and Jesus calls us to it and he's coming soon so I would I would uh, challenge you to uh, to figure it out and to and to burn bright for 40 years yes burn bright now and and uh, we say that to the summer staff burn bright this summer experience all of God hold open your hands in worship and say Jesus come and feel him and and experience his love in teamwork and like get all of God out of this summer and then 40 years from now I said this to the staff 40 years from now when I'm on my deathbed grab my hand and say Andrew I'm still burning I'm still burning I want to burn right to the end Jesus is coming it's good